Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. What's up, everybody? It is Friday. It is 1 p.m. on the West Coast, which can only mean one thing. We are doing the Veteran Founder Podcast again on the Startup Radio Network, and I'm so excited that you have joined us. Uh, we have a great show. We have two guests this week, which is phenomenal. Carmen is out this week. Hopefully, she'll be back next week since I'm out next week. Uh, but if you are new to the show, uh, this is what what happens. For the next hour, you're going to be introduced to some remarkable folks that are doing amazing things in the business world, as we said in the intro. Uh, these people will sort of fill you in on their background, what they did in the military, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what they're doing in the business world. And and this week, like I said, uh, we have Griff, Matthew Griffin, and Donald Lee. It's Griff and Lee. Sounds like a doo-wop, a hip-hop duo. But they are here. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for thanks having for us today. I, I'm so excited, Griff. I, uh, both of you guys, this this business that you guys do, Combat Flip Flops, uh, is very mission driven, and we're going to talk a lot about this. But Griff, I saw you speak about two years ish ago. I want to say out in Seattle, and uh, man, you're just such a great uh, public speaker, and and your your guys' story uh, is very inspiring. And I'm just so excited you're here this week. Well, very kind words. Thank you very much. Very well deserved. So, uh, Lee, we're going to start with you. I want to talk a little bit about your background. Uh, first of all, what what branch of the service did you did you serve in? I was in army. Army and and uh, you guys served together, right? Yep. Nice. Yeah, we served together um, with the second ranger battalion. Okay. The fifth ranger regiment. And I'm going to ask Griff this as well, but I want to hear your thoughts. Like, what was the sort of mindset for you? going in the military? Like, why Why did you decide to go in? Um, 9-11. 9-11 is what, is what uh, would make me list. I was, I was 24 when 9-11 happened. Um, and, you know, I was, I was getting my career started. And, you know, that morning, just like, you know, millions of Americans, our lives changed. And um, I think a couple days after 9-11, the, the recruiting offices were closed, I believe, like a day or two. Um, after it happened and the day it opened, I walked in and told them I wanted to enlist with a option 40 Ranger contract. Wow. So you, that was just the no, no real uh, thought beyond I'm going to go serve and this is what I'm going to go do because I want to uh, just go and, and uphold the American way of life. Honestly, I, it, the military was always something I wanted to do. And, you know, you, you get older, you go to school, you start working, the, yeah. you know, those, those dreams kind of start getting pushed away. Um, but, you know, after 9-11, I, I said, you know what, this is, you know, obviously like every American after 9-11, you wanted to make a difference and you wanted to make a change. Um, for me, I just, I felt like if I didn't do it right then, I would never do it. Sure. And, you know, that's just one of the things in my life that I wanted to do. Um, well, better time. You know, I, you, so I did it. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And then, uh, so Griff, same question. You you joined uh, the army as well. 
what was sort of the, the mindset for you about why you decided to go into the military? Uh, I'm fourth generation military, my great grandfather. Oh, so you were already enlisted when you came out of the womb. Yeah, my great grandfather <laughs> fought in World War One. Both grandfathers uh, fought in World War Two. My dad was a 20-year Army retired officer, and uh, I always, you know, from growing up, I wanted to be GI Joe, be an Airborne Ranger. And right out of high school, I worked really hard and got admitted into West Point, and so I uh, was accepted into the class of 2001 in June of '97, and graduate graduated and commissioned as an artillery officer. Uh, and I was airborne qualified and I had all intents of going to the 75th Ranger Regiment as an artillery officer. So you had very specific goals. I love that both of you guys were just goal oriented. You walked in, said, this is what I'm going to do. When did you guys, uh, when did your guys' path sort of cross? Like when, when did you guys meet up and, uh, and, um, sort of serve together? Uh, so it was <laughs> late July, uh, early August, 2003, uh, I had just gotten to the team room and all these guys had just gotten back from Iraq. So here I am, this cherry lieutenant uh, <laughs> with no combat patch and all the privates and everybody running around had scrolls and stereo on both shoulders. And, you know, they were the bee's knees because they had, they had done the initial invasion to Iraq. I mean, Lee was bird one, chalk one into Baghdad International Airport. Good grief. Right? So, yeah, I mean, some seriously legit work. And, and I showed up and that was it. Like we, uh, I think we had a tumultuous relationship to start. Um, <laughs> I love that Lee is laughing uncontrollably back there. Yeah, that, 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 that tumultuous relationship continued until about 10 minutes ago. So. And, and will continue after, I'm sure. It, it will, yes. I love that. I gotta say, he. I gotta say, he was green as hell when we walked in there. And <laughs> you know, though, every 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 enlisted has that story of like a really green officer coming in. I had the same thing. You know, we were in deck department, but we had this guy that came off and just graduated the Citadel. and couldn't even keep himself together. Uh, but now he was going to lead our our group. So I, I think everybody has that experience. But I love that you guys were able to to uh, sort of build a bond based on all of that well it, it, the interesting part right is that i mean he's an officer and i'm just you know i'm this enlisted guy right yeah um the, you don't see you don't see you don't see that very often in the ranger regiment you know no. where, where, where the o's are, are 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 really cool with the enlisted guys or whatever um you know most of the o's that got out are probably you know don't even think about most of the, the lower enlisted dudes that served under him and maybe the maybe that the, the you know, maybe like the team starts and stuff they might be in contact with, but I mean, me and Griffin and started a business together and, you know, went through 5 billion other business ideas before this one stopped. Wow. Yeah. So, so do yeah, you guys, I mean, so there's a good relationship. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. So Griff. Yeah, Lee's, Lee's talent was the perpetual naysayer and he's, he's still that to this day. You know, I'd get up, I'd give a plan and then, you know, everybody's doing their ranger thing. They're nodding up and ground like, Hey, we're going to do what the Lieutenant says. And then Lee, you know, being on a three-year contract, never going to go to ranger school, never going to get a leadership position. He's just there to do his job for three years and then go back into the tech world. You know, he's got zero, you know, zero consequence of saying something. And so he'd be like, sir, that's stupid. You shouldn't do that. Right. (laughs) That's the out of the back and everybody kind of like turns sideways and like you get to the looks from the NCOs like I'm going to screw you up later and I, I'd always ask like you know like 
these, these are the guys who are doing the job. Like, you know, I get to make the plan I get to do all this other stuff. I get to go through rehearsals, but at the end of the day, they're the ones out there like literally doing the dirty work. And you know, if they got a better idea how to do it, it's going to make their life easier or more effective or get them home safely. Like I want to hear it. Like, no, that's always, yeah. that's always open. And I think that, and, uh, that shows respect too. I, at the, at yeah. the end of the day, it seemed counterintuitive, but I had a CEO tell me there were two people on our ship. Leadership. Absolutely. That, you know, I had a, good leadership. It is definitely. And I had a CEO on my last ship that told me there were two guys on our ship that, that would uh, tell, call me on my bullshit. It was you, Carter, and another person. And I still am t- friends to, with him to this day. So I think they respect somebody that is able to stand up and say, look, it's a, there's a better way to do this. And it's a great leader that listens to that. Yeah. yeah and, you know, and he was always right. Like as much as I hate him, cause he's, he's <laughs> often right. Like, uh, you know, he, he's, you know, he was older than most guys. He got in at 24. Mm-hmm. He lived his life. He'd been out of his own. Like, you know what it was like to be responsible and accountable. And he was older than a lot of the NCOs that were actually in charge of him. So, you know, he had a little bit of life experience under his belt and he would just call it as he saw it because, you know, he wanted to get home to his family too. Absolutely. So, so you guys served together. How many, uh, how many total, how how long were you guys serving together? Uh, so we did, uh, Griff and I did two tours together. I, I did the initial invasion of Iraq. And then Griff got there um, after we got back from Iraq, and then we did Afghanistan twice together. And then Griff had another deployment uh, after I had got out of the military. Oh wow! What what year did you get out, uh, Lee? I got out in '05. Okay, January of '05. And so, when you guys were serving together, what do you guys think now, looking back on all that time? What do you think set you guys up for success in the business world, having served together? Right. For me, from from my point of view, it's 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 the brutal honesty, and and like you know, and I say that it's it, sometimes it, it's still sometimes it is a little difficult because we're so brutally honest with each other. But I think I think the way we attack the the way we attack our projects and 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 obstacles that that you know we're confronted with in our business is the same way we we attack ranger objectives. Um, you know, Griff, awesome planner, awesome planner. Um, and, you know, we, we get the plan, you know, and, and we just, we take it down like an objective. And I think that's, that's helped us tremendously. Um, you know, having, having the work ethic that we, we got, you know, being in the military, being in the Rangers, special operations, um, that's, that's such a big driver. And it, it's still, you know, if, if, if you were in the military and you're around us and you see the way we run our business, you would get it right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I echo I echo his comments. Yeah, like we're we're just brutally honest with one another, and it, it's and it's it happens like as as soon as something pops up, like we call each other on our bullshit, and it's it just it works out well, right? Because if you're so excited about an idea and you get going down a path, and you're, you you just want to charge down it, and like you know, if you're the CEO of a company, right, a lot of people wouldn't stand up and say something. Versus Lee is like, no, that's dumb. <laughs> right. Or if Lee does the same thing too, like, dude, you're not working on our priorities right now. What's our priority? Like he gets an idea and he wants to head down the path. I'm like, no, Lee, that's not our priority. What did we agree to last week? Mm-hmm. This is what we're focused on. And yeah, it just happens. Like you, you did the ability to talk to one another like that. And people from the outside think that we hate each other. <laughs> and often I've threatened to fly down to LA just to punch him in the neck to fly back. But 
you know, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, but it works like over time it works. Yeah. There, there's your next innovation what, what, design, right? Like thwapping in the neck as a service. Yeah. <laughs> One of the, uh, I mean, that, 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 uh, that, that thing that keeps our business going, you know, we talk about all the brutal honesty and, and things like that. Um, that was actually when I left the military and I had my, like my first real civilian job after the military, that was one of the hardest things for people to deal with. And it was just so, it was so odd, you know, we, we, I'm sitting in like a manager meeting and you know, the owner of the company I work for and, you know, he's like, what about this idea? And, you know, all the yes men are nodding their heads and, yeah, that's a great idea, Bob. And, and I, I'm the guy that's sitting there saying, hey, that's a really stupid idea. We're going to lose money, you know? Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, it's, it works. It works for what we do, but it was just when the when civilians, you know, saw that, that brutal honesty and that truth, it, it scared them. It scared them bad. You know, I can I can empathize with that because I, I've had that in my own career, uh, transitioning from military to, to you know, civilian jobs that I've had, they resent you, don't they? They resent you for being honest. They, they you know, it's, it's usually, it's, it's usually, I call them the gray area and then, right. <laughs> you know, well, being in the military, there's, there's, it's black or white. Yes or no. Right. You know, you get your marching orders, you go, there's no, Hey, well maybe this, no, there's none of that. Um, but these people, there's, there's a lot of people that live in the middle, you know, in, in the civilian world, there's a lot of people that live in the middle and, and, and they're wishy-washy and, and they're just, they're all about, you know, self-preservation and, and saving, you know, looking good in front of the boss. Um, and those are, those are, those are the most frustrating people to deal with because you can, you can't get the yes or no answer from those people. And there's, there's a lot of that in, in corporate America. It's, 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 it's crazy. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, so you guys, Lee, you mentioned you got out, you went and got a civilian world. Uh, job, you know, just a private uh, job. What was, what were some of the things that you did after you got out of the military? What were some of the jobs that you ended up uh, going after? So by education, I'm a designer. I went to design school. Um, before I joined the military, I, I was just, I was doing a ton of freelance design, you know, sitting in, sitting in my house in my underwear doing freelance design, um, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousand. Um, and when I got out, I, I kind of went back down that road, but, um, I actually went into, uh, you know, to the, adverse, the advertising space and, you know, I start, I, my foot in the door was as a designer and, um, you know, working for, for at first a couple of internet companies, um, I started learning more of the marketing processes and, you know, a lot of, you know, the partner integrations and affiliate marketing and all that stuff and the optimization. And, and um, I was good at it. I, I was, I was good at it. I was, I was able to do the, you know, just do the front end stuff, all the, all the, the design stuff and, and I was able to, to read all the metrics um, that came along with, with the design stuff. A lot of designers have, have trouble um, when their stuff, when, when what they produce has to back out to an ROI hmm. or return on ad spend or, you know, whatever. But I was always good at it and good at checking those numbers. And I just, I ended up transitioning. I think it was a natural transition for me to go from just the, you know, the, the design piece into the marketing world and, um, so I started as a designer, and then I went into, you know, started doing marketing, and then I ended up running the online division for an ad agency. And after that, I was, I was at like a couple more ad agencies uh, before we started Combat with Plus. And Griff, when did, when did you get out? And when you got out, was Combat Flip Flops the first thing that you jumped into? 
Oh, no, not at all. I, uh, I think I did like most veterans. I took the first job that was offered to me. <laughs> you know, I was a, I was a home builder. So I, w- I worked for Centex homes and I built you know, homes and tracks for, um, a national home builder here in the Pacific Northwest. And you know, this is the, 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 the high rise of the real estate boom. You know, they just were just constructing houses upon houses upon houses. And, you know, we were just closing them left and right. And uh, I built over 200 houses in the Northwest um, between May of 2006 and February of 2008. Wow. And then the crash, then the crash happened and uh, everybody went out of work. Sure. Yeah. Um, then I went to work for a company called Remote Medical International. So a completely different change. Uh, this is the rise of the contractor boom in Iraq and Afghanistan and this company out of Seattle was providing training and equipment and medicine and doctors to the gas and energy sector for like seismic research vessels and oil rigs and Antarctic research stations, you know, all the places where you have professionals working uh, in a dangerous environment that need medicine and doctors. And so our company was the specialist in it. And when all the contractors started deploying to Iraq and Afghanistan all throughout Africa, they needed training and equipment and medicine and doctors. And so, uh, I spoke military and they, they brought me on to manage that side of the business. And for three years, you know, I traveled all over the world, you know, doing that kind of work in support of our customers. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah. if you're just now joining us, we're talking to Matthew Griffin and Don Lee of Combat Flip Flops. Guys, we're going to pay a quick bill. Is that cool? Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm just going to go to it. Because hopefully you guys give me this thumbs up. Uh, we'll do uh, CPA dudes where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, of customers decide to pay, what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Uh, we're here with Matthew Griffin and Don Lee of Combat Flip Flops, uh, affectionately known as Griff and Lee. Again, I, I think you guys need to do it as a hip-hop group. But uh, but what I love is the uh, the signature that's on your email. It says, bad for running, worse for fighting. <laughs> I would imagine that's accurate, right? Uh, very, very accurate. <laughs> very accurate. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's dive in a little bit about what the notion was from going from fighting in Afghanistan together, being brutally honest with each other, to, hey, let's do something like flip-flops. What was that? What was that conversation? Um, so I'll take this one here. So I my the, the Iraq deployment when, you know, Iraq, uh, Lee had already left and I, I did one more deployment without him. Um, there was a night I remember and, you know, we flew in on helicopters, we caught these kids, a really dangerous mission. And it, that was it. They were just kids. They were just teenage boys, you know, given guns and pistols and hand grenades and told to go shoot Americans. And the Jeez. uniform story that we were catching, you know, out of these guys is, why are you doing this? And the, their, you know, common response was, well, nobody else is paying. There's no other jobs. What else are we supposed to do to support our families? That's nice. You know, like, that's, I mean, that's the reality of it. I mean, a lot of these guys that were fighting are just paid to do it because that's all they have open to them to put food on the table for their family. Wow. That, so, so, I can't imagine. That's just that that's the world they live in is that you either don't eat that day or you pick up a gun and go fight. That's it. That's crazy. Um and so just, you know, as long as women are given birth to children over there and there there's insurgents and fundamentalist groups over there and we're over there in an armed conflict, like they have an endless supply of fighters. 
right? All we are doing every time we go over there is we're just cutting the head off the Hydra. That's all that we are doing. And like that, that reality of night after night going out on these missions and I've got, you know, a nine month old daughter, I've got one on the way, right? Like it, are we doing the right thing to one, you know, I know I'm going to go home to my family and two, like, are we doing the best thing for their country and ours? And like this, the answer I came to was, was no, we weren't, mm-hmm. we still aren't. Um, and I, I didn't have an answer to it, but I just knew that what we were doing probably wasn't a long-term sustainable solution. And the war was going to go on endlessly and go figure like 11 years later, um, I was right. Like it's endless. Yep. Um, and then, I, you know, when I was working for remote medical, I would have to travel to Afghanistan, Iraq, Jordan, Kenya, Sudan, DRC, all areas just known for violent extremism, right, and not being safe. And what I found was that I had to be nice. Like, I didn't have 100 of my friends with guns. I had a backpack and some cash, and I had to get my job done. Yep. And so the, the places where I found that were uniformly safe were the areas that had small businesses, you know, you find the local entrepreneur that's a leader in his community, hire his brother as a driver, hire his kid as a fixer, eat in their restaurants, stay in their hotels, bring opportunity to them, and they will keep you safe. Yeah, you're giving them it's, options. And they, you know, now, yeah. instead of, you know, a gun, they have something else to do that'll put food on their table. Correct, right? And it's sustainable. They can do it right. without getting dead. Right. Without getting dead. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I kept seeing this everywhere I went. And the idea kept occurring to me is like, why aren't, as a country, why aren't we doing this? Like, why aren't we training business leaders, sending micro loans, providing economic opportunity? Because to me, it seems a lot less expensive, a lot more moral um, and sustainable than constantly sending MRAPs and dropping JDAMs and, you know, doing whatever else we're doing over there. You know, that's, it's not helping us at all. Like two wrongs don't make a right. Right. Um, and, you know, one day I was in Afghanistan. Uh, I'd been drinking tea for about two weeks and was getting ready to shoot somebody for a good cup of coffee. And I, I met this guy and his name was John and he was a former Marine captain and he'd been hired to build a combat boot factory in Afghanistan. And he said, man, I, I put all this rad equipment in my factory. It's really beautiful. We're making thousands of pairs of boots a day. All these bad uniforms, like we're supporting the Afghan military. Um, and I also, I bought this rad espresso machine for my factory when I was buying all this equipment. He's like, I literally have the best cup of coffee in Kabul. <laughs> and it, so I was sold. Right. And I, I got in the car there the next morning and I, I drove over to his factory and it changed, changed our lives. Right. I, I saw 300 people working in that factory. I mean, they were taking illiterate people off the street, teaching them how to read, teaching them how to sew, teaching them a skill to be a cobbler or a tailor. You know, this factory was attracting back family members, cobblers and, and tailors who had worked in other countries and sending money back to their families in Afghanistan. They were now returning to their country to work at home, to be near their family. It was literally reuniting communities, this factory was. That's awesome. And each each person there supported five to 13 family members. So when when somebody asked me now, like, hey, was it worth it? Was it worth all that warfare? I could look at them and go, fuck yeah, it was. <laughs> like. Yeah. So they got a food in their belly. They got a roof over their head. Their kids are going to school. Their kids are going to live a better life than they had. And you, you know what we call that at home? <laughs> Progress. We call that the American dream. Yeah. No, absolutely. I love it. And 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 it's a good cup of coffee too, right? So Yeah. And, and we had given that joking, to somebody else, yeah. right? No, yeah. I and uh, and it's and it's a great feel good story because the fact that you were able to identify that 
you know, because most and and Lee, back me up if if I'm if I'm wrong here. You know, most people like myself, we go in the military, we just kind of do our time, and we're not really self aware of what's going on around us. You took it a step further and said, "This is just ridiculous." And if I did this, there could be an alternative to this other thing. And you identified a problem, like an entrepreneur does, and uh, and you went in and and you and you solved a problem. You know, the, the story gets a little dicey from there. So <laughs> I'm sure it does. Uh, <laughs> Go uh, for so, it. You know, yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I went to West Point, right? And you learn military history, so you know eventually the war has to end. Like, that's that's what should happen, right? You wage sure. war, and then it stops, and then people rebuild, and then they're nicer to one another, and then we move forward as a species. Um, but it wasn't, right? It wasn't ending. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I looked at John and said, hey, man, like, what's going to happen when the war ends? And he looks at me and he says, without skipping a beat, he says, no, man, we're going to shut it all down. All these people are going to go out of work. What? Nobody's going to want to buy anything in Afghanistan. And I immediately just got furious. Hmm. Like, you know, if you study any kind of history, especially what we've done in Afghanistan, we wage a 10-year protracted war, make all these promises then quickly abandon them, create a power vacuum, which then re- leads to the rise of a fundamentalist group that typically doesn't hate America, right? And can take power by telling the people, hey, look, the Americans didn't fulfill on their promises, right? And then they can brainwash them into hating us. And then it's going to lead our children back there in another 20 years. That happened in 89 to 91 yep. in Afghanistan. And then look what we did again in 2014. Mm-hmm. No, right? 100%. Yo, yeah, so like I'm just so mad, I'm angry, and like I, I turn around and look down at this table, and there's this combat boot sole with a flip flop bong punched in it, and like it was ugly and it was cool, and I was like, man, like Americans would buy this, and that was it, right? <laughs> and so I like, looked at John and said, hey man, can, like can I run with this? And he said, yeah, sure. So I sat the flip flop down, I got back in the car, drove back into my hotel room, and it's like two thirty in the morning in Los Angeles at this time. And I called Lee, right? Because I don't know how to run a company. I don't know how to build a right. website. I don't know how to do any of this crap. And Lee's got more experience in it than I do. Hey, Lee. And he freaking answers his phone. Some weird Afghan burner phone number calls <laughs> Lee in Los Angeles at 2 in the morning, and the dude picks up. <laughs> That's great. Lee, uh, do you have yeah. friends? I'm just I'm only asking as a friend. You know it. <laughs> you know it. I didn't. I didn't sleep. I didn't. I wasn't getting too much sleep in those days. I. I. I, I kind of. I kind of preferred to work through the night. Yeah. So. so and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I just got to throw that out there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, yeah. Have, I have. Thank God for this new thing called "Do Not Disturb" on my phone. Because anybody that calls at two a.m., they're going straight to my voicemail. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good so, thing you uh, picked up. <laughs> yeah, I, I said, "Hey, Lee, man, like, check out what I saw today." And uh, it's like, "Look, dude, uh, I got this idea: combat flip flops. Check out the URL." And he gets on his computer. And he's like, "Yeah, it's available for two ninety nine on GoDaddy." He's like, "Register that. We're going to make flip flops in Afghanistan." He's like, "All right, man, let's do it." <laughs> <laughs> And a business was born. And a business was born. That's awesome. Yeah. So when you guys... I, I, I have to tell you, though, yeah. I have to tell you that when I got it, I, I bought it under the account where we had CafeRacerCoffee.com, which was another <laughs> one of the ideas that happened before, before I left the military. How many domains had you guys bought before you guys bought Combat Flip Flops? Uh, yeah, I think that was... I think. I think a lot of the ideas happened, but we only actually bought two domains. Oh, okay. The Cafe Racer Coffee one went the way of the Dodo. Yeah. 
That's, <laughs> but it's great because I, I agree. I think a lot of times uh, founders will go, I have this great idea, and they immediately go check to make sure the domain is cool. And if the domain's not, then it's like it either scuttles the idea or they have to pivot and try to figure something else out. So I, I love that you guys went straight to the let's check the URL first. And if you don't know the website, you don't add anything. That's, that's so true. Uh, so you guys have this combat flip-flops. How long before you guys were actually producing flip-flops? Uh, so we sat on it for about a year and a half because I hate to say it, both Lee and I, like I'm a really good idea guy and a planner and Lee is a really good, like naysayer and executioner. And we needed the third leg on the stool and enter my, uh, my brother-in-law Andy. Um, so he is from Montana raised by a 25 year Navy EOD tech, um, had wanted nothing to do with the military, long hair, hippie bearded dude played in a metal band from montana that sang songs about montana about as anti-war as they get like super cool guy and he's six foot six and his nickname's the wookie because he literally looks like chewbacca that's funny um and uh yeah we were in his bachelor party uh probably about a case of case of beer deep and i and i was telling him this idea that i had for combat flip-flops and even in our inebriated state he remembered it and you know, came in a couple of days later after we cured our hangovers and he said, Hey man, I want to talk to you about this combat flip-flops thing. Like, tell me what you're thinking. And so I, I sketched out on a notepad what I thought of the AK-47 flip-flop and he just took it and disappeared for two days. And then he comes back and he taught himself SketchUp and he came back with a digital rendering of what we were looking for on the AK-47, which is our number one seller of all time. Um, still to this day, it's, it's tough to unseat it. Yeah, and so he's he's just a guy like that. Like, I got a problem. Nope, I'll go figure it out. Like, I'll I'll do it. And so he came on and took over our production and design, and um, we just took that digital rendering and built a Facebook page, and and that was in you know late 2010 that they came on, and um, we just released you know the renderings on Facebook, and the response was overwhelmingly positive, which then was our threshold to say, okay, maybe we should invest some money in this and pursue it. So I sold my boat and a couple guns, and uh, we bought enough to to make some samples and some tooling. And then Lee knew a footwear manufacturer in LA because he'd worked for one before, um, and they were able to get us the connections to get you know all the prototypes made. And then we took some photos of those and put them out on Facebook and the internet again. And the response was again overwhelmingly positive. Um, and then then we sold a motorhome and a few more guns, and I sold a couple motorcycles and. And all of a sudden, we had 200 pair of flip-flops in a duffel bag headed to SHOT Show uh, in January of 2012. We called Lee two days before and said, hey, Lee, where's that website? And he's like, what website? Like, yeah, for combat flip-flops. <laughs> and so Lee builds this website and, you know, super clean, direct website, could accept credit cards. He built it in two days, right? It's great. That's Lee, Yeah. <laughs> He still hates us to this day for it. Like we still, we still hear about it six years later. Um, hopefully one of these days he'll get over it. Um, but uh, we went to that show. We ran down every blogger we possibly could that we knew that was accessing our market of like, you know, the military, you know, people who would understand what we're doing and they posted up our stuff everywhere. And, and within a week we'd sold 4,000 pair of flip-flops. Jeez. I without we- ever making it. Without yeah. ever making a fair in production. Oh, my goodness. I want to read some because uh, I should have read this earlier, but it, it's really kind of defines what you guys do, and it's the mission off your website. you mind if I read it real quick? 
Go for it. Yeah, it's to create peaceful, forward-thinking opportunities for self-determined entrepreneurs affected by conflict. Our willingness to take bold risks, community connection, and distinct designs communicate. Businesses are business, not bullets, flipping the view on how wars are won through persistence, respect, and creativity. We empower the mindful consumer to manufacture peace through trade. I love the fact that you just have this very well-defined, structured mission to try to change the narrative behind what something as simple as a flip-flop can do to, to uh, erode conflict. It's insane. We don't think it's insane. We think it's, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But what, like I'm what saying, we're doing is different. No, no, what I'm saying is that it's okay. insane in that, that something so simplistic as a flip-flop right, can change the narrative such a profound way. That's what's insane about it. And, uh, and it's insane in a good way, right? Like, it's not like it's a bad thing, but it's what you guys are doing is so profound using something very simple. It's, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's more than the footwear. Like, when I, when I look at everything, I, I think it's, it's, it's the idea. You yeah. know, everybody, like, you know, growing up, we have the idea of the American dream or we have, you know, the idea of, of what success is or you know, different kinds of ideas. But, you know, the idea behind the company, um, yeah, we sell, we sell cold, durable footwear, but, you know, the, the idea goes, you know, they educate a woman, she educates her, educates her kids, and, you know, they grow up to be educated adults, and at least they're, they're less likely to be radicalized, right? Um, you know, that, that's the idea. You, you know, you, it's, it's a long-term change. Um, you know, the idea of, of educating, uh, employing women in, you know, in the Afghan factories, um, you know, you're, you're empowering women. Women are the cornerstone of every culture. I don't care who it is. You know, they, they are the cornerstone of the backbone of every culture. Um, you know, have that idea, you know, you, you can do, you can do so much with just ideas, right? Yep. It's an idea for sound the American dream. You know, we're what was the line? We're exporting the American dream. That's yep. great. I love it. And, yeah, and, and the, the 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 real fact is is that flip flops are the most popular footwear on earth. More people buy flip flops than any other footwear on the planet. So, yeah, everybody on the planet block our flip flops. Like one, like we'd be a really successful company, and then two, we put hundreds of thousands of little girls and kids in school and change the paradigm on what's possible through sustainable and commercial means. And we create a whole bunch of jobs and build communities and connection and trade routes, all things that are way more valuable than dropping bombs on heads. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, it, the, the idea Can you that, imagine what it would be like? Can you imagine what it would be like educating, you know, a ton of women, like you said, or, you know, just education. I mean, it, it, you know, like you said, it gets passed down to the children. And, and I mean, but, just the idea of education. I mean, imagine, you know, these, these people getting educated and all of a sudden people are growing are, hey, I want to be a doctor. Yeah. You know, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to do something to change the world. I mean, you have doctors, you have teachers, you have, you know, that, that caliber of a person that, you know, they go to school and they, they learn all this stuff and it, it, it changes their, the community. It's, it's like a ripple effect. And, and I, that was one and it, and it spreads out and yeah. you have all these great people as a result. I'm just educating, you know, and just educating the people. Yeah, no, it's it's it makes complete sense, and and I and I already know the answer, and you guys know the answer before I even ask this question. But why do you think more folks in the U.S. haven't invested time and resources 
to do what you guys are doing? It's hard. War is profitable, maybe? Yeah, I mean, like... Uh, yeah. If there was no profit in war, there wouldn't be any war, and nobody's shown people an alternative no. to that profitability. Yeah, absolutely. As long as Boeing stock keeps going up and everybody you know keeps going up, then you know, you're going to see this, this, uh, this cyclical uh, process. And I know I'm starting to go down the path of being political, and we never try to politicize our show. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally get it. And the thing that I love about what you guys do is that it can easily turn into something that uh, just continues to erode that mindset that we need to get off this crazy train of just going, continuing to be this cyclical uh, enabler of of radicalism. And that's exactly, Griff, you mentioned it. We go into, you know, we saw this in, um, you know, places like Iran and Jordan, and we've, we've done it constantly, right? There's just constant history of us doing the same thing, of going in, uh, just completely throwing a, a nation in chaos and creating this this vacuum. And I love that you first are identifying this as a huge issue that you need to take on, but trying to actually actually find a solution because I think a lot of people sort of just yell in an echo chamber instead of do something about it. Yeah, like and a lot of smart people with MBAs and degrees and everything else, they want to sit there and pontificate and write white papers and stuff on it, but you know, we would just rather do it. And doing is better than doing is better than talking. No, oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> how how big is Combat Flip Flops today? Like as as far as your staff, how many people do you guys have on staff today? Man, there's four of us. Four? Come on, you guys are. No, that's it. Wow, and you guys are doing all this with four folks. Yeah, I mean, uh, like we huh. you know we des- we designed the company to be super lean, and we contract out everything. That's great. You know, we we've read all the business books. Like the instructions are out there on how to do it. Like all those business books that are out there and people read, like they just read them and they want to repeat the information that's in there, but they don't actually want to do it. Like that's the thing about, you know, guys like Lee and guys like Andy and everything else is they read the instructions and they do it. <laughs> There's a difference, right? <laughs> just like, you got to fucking do it. I, I can't even um, follow the instructions on my Ikea bookcase. It's hard. Yeah, no, it is. It's very hard. So Yeah, I mean, like. I, I dare somebody to try and do what we did. Like I fucking double dare you. I will buy you ten cases of beer if you pull it off. I yeah. promise you. That, yeah, that's great. So let's dive into that because I know a lot of folks listen to our show because they want to learn off of folks that are doing it and are are successful, like you guys, like yourselves. Uh, what are some of the things early on that you guys learned that you wish you hadn't done? Like, what are the, some of the things you look back and go, man, if we hadn't done that, maybe we would be much more successful today. You go first. I got a whole list, so I'll let you go first. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I think the so the, the very first thing that we identified was was um, going going trying to go into retail. That was the so that was the biggest the biggest like what are we doing kind of moment uh, that we had in the company. Uh, we ran across that. I mean, obviously, there's there's things that have, that have come and gone since, but that was. As a company, as a young company, that was kind of the first, the first real thing that we realized together. Like, why are we doing this? This is, this is kind of dumb. Let's just go direct to consumer. Um, I think that was, you know, in, in terms of the company history, that was kind of a, a, our first big decision that we made. And why? Why was the you said resale? 
Retail. Oh, retail. So I mean, like, yeah, you watch, you watch all the Shark Tank, you watch all the other stuff, and like, oh, we're gonna put you in like 200 stores, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do that, right? And like, everybody sees these big numbers, and they want to see their product on a shelf in Nordstrom's or in, you know, PacSun or all these other things, and like, all of those major names are in our backyard, and they all gave us the cold shoulder. Hmm. Like, we pursued them at an expensive level. Put thousands of dollars uh, of our, you know, our inventory into product sample kits, took airlines, flights, sat in meetings. And but the bottom line is, is like, it's hard to do what we're doing and it's expensive and we're never going to generate enough margin for them to beat out their Chinese made products. Sure. That makes sense. Like, it just, it, that's it. And like, you know, they got people they're working with more mature. They got POP displays and full on marketing teams and, you know, financial backing so they can finance all the inventory and they're just reliable. Like, we're a young upstart company, you know, making stuff in war zones. Like they gave us the cold shoulder and we just looked at how much we were spending to try to pursue those customers for how much they were giving us. And it was like, this is stupid. Like our bread and butter is the red, white, and blue flag waving American veteran service member, military member, peace activist, you know, hippie that just says, Hey, we need to freaking take an honest look at what we're doing as a country and change it up. Like that's, that's our core customer and they're the ones who supported us and we just need to focus on them. Yeah. But I mean, it's not an uncommon mistake, right? You're you're told as a business owner, go for the trunk, not the branches. Right. And so I don't think that was the bad way to go, Uh, but you guys recognized it immediately pivot. Most people run out of cash uh, before they realize that. So what other, what other examples of, of those learning lessons did you guys take in the early days? Yeah, I think I'll just cap one, one more cap on that line as we have a mantra around here is we hunt elephants, but we live off rabbits. Yeah. That right? makes sense. You gotta be, yeah, you got to be constantly hunting the big game, but you got to be smacking down small targets all the time, right? Because yeah. that puts food in the belly. So that way, when you get the elephant in front of you, like one, you're going to be accurate as hell. Uh, and you got enough, you got enough fuel in the tank to actually pull it off. So when you harvest that thing, like you put in all that little work to get to the big work. Um, so that's just kind of you know, the mentality we've shifted as a company. Well, someday we'll probably go back into retail. You know, Amazon has come on huge as a big partner of ours. So we expect them to to really drive that business for us. Nice. And they haven't given us the cold shoulder. They've given us a warm, big hug and they're pushing us like a boss. So I love awesome. us in Amazon. Nice. Yeah. Um, I think this, the second one is, uh, and I'm so guilty of this, and Lee is my, we call him the, uh, we call it the sniff test. Um, <laughs> but when you run any kind of business and you get any kind of media or success, the parasites will come out of the woodwork. Yeah, They come out of everywhere. You get emails, hey man, we can help you return on ad spend, jump to 10 to one. Hey, we can do this for your marketing. Oh, we can do this for your banking. And you could read all these emails and all these great sales pitches, um, but very few people deliver. Right. Uh, and you can spend a considerable amount of time reviewing contracts, signing contracts, spending dollars, investing money into somebody who has no accountability to actually return on their promises. So the, the second thing I would say is just like read the instructions, get your hands dirty. If somebody sends you a sales pitch where they think that, you know, that, that they can get your return on ad spend to 10 to one. You know what that means? What's that? It means you can do it. it means yeah. you can do it too. Yeah. No, I, and look, when you're a team of, of four, like you guys are, you have to do everything, 
right? And you have to be okay doing everything. You have to be okay being the HR and payroll and accounts payable and the marketing and writing blog posts and doing customer meetings. You have to be okay doing all of that stuff when you're a team, uh, when you're a small team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like half of the things that you described, like, I mean, even in the marketing piece, right. I I have responsibilities, but Griff is up at night banging the keyboard, coming out with great content, you know, for, for, you know, our blogs, for Instagram, like, and he's the CEO of the company and, you know, effectively he's, he's having to help help hunt the elephants. And, and then he's got to switch over and like write a Facebook post. Yeah. It's just, it's nutty. Same thing with Andy, like Andy, the amount of the, the amount of stuff that Andy does, I mean, you know, he, he came, he, he, he didn't have, I guess, I guess he had a, like a painter background and he built snowboards well, but when, when we started manufacturing, like the guy became a Guna rubber expert, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. I, you know, and then, and then, yeah. And then like, and then he figured all this out. We made a, our, our first run was made in Griff's garage and Andy orchestrated all that. He'd never done that before. When you figured out the glues, you get through a couple, we acquired a couple, you know, presses that we needed and some machinery and you figured it out. Yeah. Then he dips into finance after that. Like, it, it's just nuts. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, kind of the benefit of doing it on your own. And like, this is a prime example that's probably saved us. I'm going to have to say probably a hundred, fifty, two hundred thousand $200,000 over the past three years. Was that Andy, when, when all of our factories in Afghanistan went under and we had to deliver orders, like we, we built a flip-flop factory in my garage and Andy produced them. He wow. put 8,000 individual flip-flops across the sander himself. Oh the dude goodness. is a, he's a pro. Um, so when we moved our production down to Columbia for our footwear, you know, they were saying, oh, we need to bill you for a minute 45 to sand these flip-flops. He's like, no, it takes 48 seconds. Because <laughs> he's like, no, 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 it doesn't take 48 seconds. And like, he grabs a flip-flop. Here's this six-foot-six white guy standing in a room full of <laughs> Colombians. Like, grabs the equipment, goes over to the sander, and bangs this thing out. 48 seconds on the pin, hands it back to him. He's like, I'm not paying you to be slow. I'm paying you to do it right. Right. This is how fast you're going to get. Get faster. Right? And because you did it on your own, because you did all of those things, like, you can go to the professionals, the guys who are trying to make more money off of you, and you can negotiate a fair value deal. Like, you're not trying to be mean to anybody in business, but you just want to pay them for the work that you're doing at a fair market rate. Right. And if you do it on your own and you know how long it takes, like that's what it is. Like for Instagram, like our, our, my 16 year old niece does the majority of our motivational sayings on Instagram. And, uh, you know, I was just talking like, Hey, how many can you get done a week? How many hours do you think it's going to take? And so I just did the quick math. Like, so you mean it's going to take you 11 minutes per post to get them done? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, so I quick, Whip up on, on Google Slides, whip one together, download as a JPEG, upload to Instagram. It took me like two and a half minutes. Like, you need to work faster. Like, I'm the CEO of the company. You need to work just as hard or as fast as me. Yeah. Like, you need to get quicker. And the look on a 16-year-old girl's face when she told you that she needs more time. And she, it's pretty funny. But, like, you know, since you have those conversations yeah. that are really direct and brutally honest that are backed up with action and demonstrated action, like, people will make that change. But if you can't walk the walk, then you, you definitely shouldn't talk the talk. I love it. I love it. We've been yeah. talking to Matthew Griffin and Don Lee from Combat Flip Flops. We're going to do another commercial break real quick. Is that cool, guys? 
Awesome. Yes. <laughs> Today's episode of the Veteran Startups is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. They offer comprehensive PR services, and Publicize becomes a member of your team and can provide multiple PR announcements monthly. Check them out at publicize.co and t- tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. So there you go. We, ironic that we're talking about these different services and we get to you know do a commercial for one. Um, <laughs> so we're back with Matthew Griffin and Donna Lee. Uh, affectionately called Lee and Griff. Uh, you see what I did there, guys? I switched it this time. Uh, so we've been talking about what they've learned as business owners for Combat Flip Flops, this amazing mission-driven company. You guys need to k- check it out. Um, we have about 15-ish minutes left. I want to get into this sort of where do you think Combat Flip Flops is going to go in, say, like the next 24 months, five years? Where do you guys hope it goes? Into the stratosphere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Steve Jobs said he, he, you know, dent the universe. Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Is that what he said? Like, yeah, yeah. we don't dent. Yeah, we put a dent in the universe. Yeah. Yeah, we put a we put a breach charge on the side of that thing. <laughs> so now uh, it's it's funny. Like we just had, uh, you know, we said we, we we hunt elephants and, or, you know, but they survive off rabbits, and it just seems like we you know, we've put in the work and that's all it ever comes down to is hard work. Um, you know, we got a great team. Everybody works really well together. Everybody puts in the time and, uh, the, the big opportunities are coming. The elephants are lining up and, you know, we're going to be on the homepage of Amazon on black Friday and cyber Monday. Like, awesome. It's coming. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're writing our book right now, our first book, um, with Leo Jenkins. And so that'll be out in time for that. Cause we're going to sell through all of our product. And so we're going to, we're going to release the book at the same time too. So, um, yeah, that's going to come out, and we've got a few other things lined up for the spring. And you know, fingers crossed. There's some uh, there's some government stuff we've been pursuing for a while, and God willing, inshallah, they look at the guys that have actually been doing the work for a while and promise to deliver and can deliver, and they'll they'll pick us as as the winner. Um, and if that comes through, that will be uh, what's that big elephant, a woolly mammoth? <laughs> like that would be the equivalent of bringing down a woolly mammoth. Nice. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's really what we got, but you know, all those things are, are nothing until there's something. Um, so we just have to charge for it every day. Like, like it's none of it's going to happen. And so that just really means being a lean company, focusing on bringing in product, getting on the deck, treating our customers, right. Um, innovating new products, you know, posting up a lot on social and just acquiring more people into the system to, to be better people, be better humans. Now you guys have more than just flip-flops on the website what other avenues are you guys going to be playing with as it as you get into this uh this realm more and more are you guys going to be going doing more i see there's a shoe on your site are you guys going to do more than just flip-flops you know at least as a company we've 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 looked at different initiatives to help to help people in areas of conflict i mean that's that's what the company does we manufacture in areas of conflict post-conflict areas um, if there's the right opportunity to help people and come up with a great product, um, I, I don't think that's off the table. So, I mean, you know, as, as far as product offerings go, um, I think, I think we're, we're open to just helping people, um, as long as it makes sense, you know, as long as it's legit that people are getting taken care of, if they're manufacturing a product, they have to be, be paid a fair wage, um, things like that. So I think. I think we've, we've, we've already shot around a few ideas for a couple other um, areas of the world. Um, but, you know, that's, that's all work in progress. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Now, Griff, you mentioned earlier that there are all these books that are basically just the instructions for business. What are some of the books that helped you guys really hone in on this thing that allowed you to grow the company the way you did? Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, the one that I really like, and you know, we're reading again, I've probably read it three or four times. Lee just picked up a copy of it, and we're, we're going through the exercises of that book right now. Is Mastering the Rockefeller Habits by Vern Harnish. Nice. Uh, it's, it's done by gazelles, but it just it gives you the ability to develop a one-page business plan, the importance behind it. You know, what are your priorities? How do you measure those priorities? And what are your rhythms that you look at those priorities? Right. That that's just the, the whole concept of the book. And the, the way I describe that book is if every good business book and leadership got together and birthed a baby, it would not be as good as this book. Uh, it's 130 pages, and I think every person who's ever going to start a business should read it. That's a ringing endorsement um, right there. Yeah. Uh, other one is Drive by Daniel Pink. Um, and it really just talks about high-performance teams and, and innovative companies and what they really need to do to push forward. It really comes down to three things like autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Like, Can the people in your team work autonomously? Do you recruit people into your organization where you need to stand over their shoulder and check their work? Or do you hire self-starters who are motivated to get the work done? Um, and out of those people, like those autonomous people, they have to be people that are like constant improvers, you know, so you, you look for one uppers, you look for people who are, you know, athletes or have other endeavors or are giving back. Right. But people who are constantly trying to improve themselves, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is, you look for people that are always trying to, to ring true on self-improvement. Um, and then third is purpose. Like you, you have to provide your people with a purpose. You know, in the military, they say leadership is what, um, uh, oh man, I just lost it. Um, <laughs> ah, I'll get back to it here in a second, but like the you know, purpose is the huge one is like, you know, why are you doing something? If you can't explain to people why they're doing it, they're just going to kind of like meander their way through the workday and collect the paycheck. And that's, I don't think it's a place where anybody wants to work. I think everybody wants to get up and, spend their time away from their family, like fulfilling their purpose in life. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a book that, uh, Jeff Lawson, the CEO of Twilio handed us when we first started at Twilio, I was an early employee and, and it was uh, a Simon Sinek book called start with why and yep. completely agree. Like it's one of those books that fundamentally changed the way I looked at creating a business. And, and yeah. it's, and it, it, yeah, go ahead. It's sorry. that purpose that sees you through all the tough times. Yeah, well, I mean, when you don't want to get up out of bed. <laughs> to, to your to, and to your point, though, like if you are part of a company, especially an early team, and you can't define why you're doing it, then one, you really don't know where you're headed, and the other is you can't you can't really uh, understand your market in in general. So I think it's really important to define that and to also define a culture within your company because then what happens is once you've defined your culture or your mission then people that come in behind you understand what it is that drives you and you know you're hiring somebody that is driven by the same purpose. Good degree more. Hallelujah. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> so uh, so we have I don't know, a few minutes left. Uh, where can people, f obviously we've been pitching combat flip-flops for a while, but where can people find you two? CMO. Like, <laughs> where, where can they find combat flip-flops or Griffin, Griffin specifically? Both. Where can people find you guys? Like, do you guys, so, uh, is it hard to find you guys? Media is, yeah. 
social media, everything is at combatflipflops.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Nice. Um, and I'm uh, cff.lee on Instagram, and Griff is cff.griff on Instagram. I love it. I love it. Guys, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And I can't believe the hour goes by so quick when it's somebody that I, I really uh, admire and find just so uh, prolific. And you guys are doing something that's really amazing. It's profound and it's mission driven. And I'm really, really hopeful and we'll do all I can to ensure that, you know, you guys, your mission is, is driving uh, for change. Like it's a, it's a huge thing. So I really appreciate all that you guys do as a veteran. I appreciate what you guys do. Um, and, and I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having us today. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thanks Lee. Thanks Griff. You've been listening to the veteran founder podcast on the startup radio network, the network that brings inspiration and education to startups and entrepreneurs around the globe. Tune in again next week and every Friday at 1 PM Pacific time. Listen, learn and get shit done. See you guys next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.